sake, amen. All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, and we are in um, Acts chapter 4, and I'm going to back up a little bit uh, to verse 16. Uh, Remember that the miracle had been done um, by God. In verse 16, it says, saying, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle hath been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Now, first of all, they admit that it's a miracle, then they don't want it to spread any further because they're worried about their position in place. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And again, the name of Jesus is so important. In fact, that was mentioned last night, as I told you, Tommy Bowden, he said, you know, what they really don't like is the name Jesus. And, uh, and that was one of the things he mentioned, which was just, you know, really incredible. Because, uh, you know, you hear that and you're like, yes, yes. 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, and here's your answer for all of that, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. In other words, go ahead and judge thee, but we're going to do what we're supposed to do. We're not going to listen to you. We're not going to back off. We're not going to quiet down. We're not going to be threatened and, and conjoled into not speaking about that name. There's nothing in this world that ought to stop you from talking about the name of Jesus. Verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They have a testimony as a witness. They, They actually saw these things. You don't get to see them, but you get to talk about them. You get to read about them. You get to understand them by faith. And we are actually, according to the Bible, more blessed than they are who saw it. Why? Because faith, faith is greater than sight. Think about those that walk with Jesus and the fact that you are more blessed than they are. It goes on. So when they had further threatened them, so now their threatenings didn't seem to work, they further threatened them. And that, that's a good thing to read. It took, it took uh, they try and they try and they try, and that's the way it ought to be. Keep trying, world. We're not giving up. We're not backing down. We're not quitting. And again, it's not about belligerence. It's not about being hateful. and It's about being respectful with what you have to try to reach those that have a need, and that need is Jesus Christ. So when they threatened them, uh, further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. By the way, if you are careful with that, make sure you always give glory to God. People can find fault with me. People can find fault with you. But what they should never find fault with is stealing the glory from God. If you always deflect, I mean, there, you know, somebody may come up and say something to me, and I'll say, praise God, glory, glory, hallelujah. You know, in, in other words, it, it's not that you have to be so condescending toward yourself that nobody can ever say anything nice to you. It's like I always told you, that the preacher used to always say, well, I don't want you to get lifted up with pride, but boy, that was a good song. Or I don't, I don't want you to get lifted up. How dumb. 
It's not up to me to stop you from getting lifted up with pride. It is my heart's intent to say, hey, thank you. This morning, thank you for the heartfelt request, prayer request. I don't want you to get lifted up with pride, though. You know, in other words, it's, it's like saying again, hey, honey, thank you for the meal. It was really great, but I don't want you to get lifted up with pride. The way you pack that dishwasher, baby, nobody does it like you. But don't get lifted up with pride. You see what I mean? It's like, it, 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 it's crazy, but, you know, I've, I, I heard that for a long time, and finally one of my preacher friends rebuked it, and it, I think it slowed down a little bit after that. Verse 22, For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Now, was there a miracle of healing? No doubt about it. It says it right there. The miracle of heal, healing was show, showed. So, I'm going to give you a couple things, like, Proverbs 29.5 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. If you fear man, it'll stop you from doing what you want to do. You know what I saw last night with, with Tommy Bowden? I didn't see any fear of man. He was in there. And listen, he's, he's, he's in a political environment. Uh, we were in uh, Milton. And, um, he's, but he got up there and he talked about Jesus. And, and, and the introduction of him was the same thing by his sister, Ginger, who holds political office. Wow! The fear of man bringeth a snare. You want to be snared? Fear man more than you fear God. And your fear of God ought not be, well, I'm trembling, I'm fearing God. No, your fear of God is supposed to be a healthy fear. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power. That's important to understand. Another one to think about is, remember the midwives in Exodus chapter 1, verse 17? They didn't fear the Pharaoh. They feared God more than they feared the Pharaoh. What did they do? They did right, though it may cost them their lives. The midwives, who, you know, they might have seen the Jew. You know, I think they lied. I, the Jewish women, you know, they're they're sort of feisty. They're they're awake. You know, you can't can't take their baby and you know kill the all the males. I mean, can you imagine a mindset of that? They'd be willing to do that, and you go. Well, what are they doing with abortion? Oh, they just kill them before they're born. You look at what they do with abortion, it's terrible. And yet this country is divided because all of this talk about abortion, it ought not be divided. It ought to be, listen, there's a child in that womb. How do you know? Well, first of all, the Bible says. First of all, the Bible says. Secondly, go ahead and, and talk to me about heartbeat. Go ahead and talk to me about brain activity. Listen, all that's true, but it doesn't matter. From the moment of conception, that's a baby. You can call it a fetus all you want, and you call it a fetus because you don't want to recognize that it's a child. It's a child. Back on, let's, let's move on, but um, look at John chapter 12. We, we just... Uh, we just went over this in, the, uh, in another service. But I want you to look at John chapter 12. And again, it's, an, it's another warning to you on how you ought to um, behave. John chapter 12, verse 41. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Anytime you love the praise of men more than the praise of God, you're in trouble. I know Galatians chapter 1 
verse 10 says, do I seek to please men or please God? You have a choice. You either please men or please God. You will never please both all the time. doesn't mean you can't uh, please people. You certainly can. It doesn't mean that you can't uh, take both of those into account when you're thinking about what you're going to do. I don't get up here and go, well, I think I'm going to get up here and, and make sure I don't please anybody. You see, that's, that doesn't work. So, so there's a fine line. In other words, if it's, if it's God versus man pleasing, I'm going to pick God. It doesn't mean that you've got to reject and neglect and, and, and abuse the other one. Um, look at Jeremiah chapter 42. And I want you to turn there because we're going to go through a good bit of this because I think it's, it's so important in... Um, in understanding this thing about fear in the nation of Israel. When you study the nation of Israel, you want to see some things in there where you don't want it repeated in your life. Uh, We'll start in verse 10. Um, Verse 10 in Jeremiah 42. If ye will still abide in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down, and I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me, I repent me, God says, of the evil that I have done unto you. In other words, stay in the land, Israel. Don't go to Egypt. That is the whole point of the context of what we're looking at. Verse 11. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon of whom ye are afraid. He recognizes their fear. And then he says, don't be afraid of the one you're afraid of. That's pretty good advice. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you out of his hand. Wait a minute. He's the king of Egypt. How can we not be afraid of him? He's the the king of the United States. How can we not fear him? Don't fear any king. Don't fear any president. Don't fear any uh, political uh, person of any persuasion whatsoever, whether they be a Democrat or Republican. Don't fear them. Why? Because God's able to deliver you out of that. You say, what happens when they... It doesn't matter what they do to this church. What happens when they... It doesn't matter what happens in this country. There, you go to countries like I've been to China, Venezuela, wherever, and you go in, you see those people standing true, standing tall, standing firm. You say, I need some of that. How does it come? Persecution. So when the persecution comes, fear not the one you fear. That's the advice. Don't fear him. Look at verse 12. And I will show mercies unto you that ye may have mercy, that I'm, that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. He says, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show mercy and then he'll have mercy and he'll let you return to the land. Verse 13. But if ye say, here's the warning, we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, But we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. Boy, we got protection there in the land of Egypt. No, you don't. You have no protection outside the will of God. The will of God, whatever it is, it's not to go down to Egypt and seek the world's protection. It is not to seek the world's protection here in, in, in these four walls of this building. Outside, 
not to seek that protection. Verse 15, And now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, here's the warning. Judgment's coming. Then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine whereof ye were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there shall ye die. He says the very thing you're seeking protection from, the sword, the famine, it's going to find you there. The best place to be is in the center of God's will. And that's not going to the world for protection. Verse 17, So shall it be, with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there, they shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. For thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you. When ye shall enter into Egypt, ye shall be an excretion and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach, and you shall see this place no more. There's no return once you make that decision. The Lord has said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. And he goes on from there. So the point is this. Do not allow the fear of man to make the choices for you. You may fear him, but don't fear him. Stop fearing him. Look to God. Trust God. Trust God. Going back to uh, the book of Acts now. In the book of Acts, he says in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, and being let go, so here, here are the apostles, they went to their own company. Boy, that's always great when you get to return amongst friends. We travel, you know, we're not traveling much, but we traveled up to New York. Listen, I loved it up in New York. I love the people in New York. You know what I term the church is called the party church. I go in that church, uh, boy, I don't know, many, many moons ago, and, and I was there three weeks because I used them as a base. They gave me a house. I'm there, and, and uh, I went out in... Um, played volleyball. Then they had graduation. I'm invited to the graduation. I had just met these people. I go, go to the graduation party. I go to, um, there were three or four other things, but birthday party. I was invited to the birthday party. And you know, I'm, I'm quiet and introverted, so I just sit there and don't let anybody know I'm there. Not. That didn't happen. But I mean, man, it was like, it, it was like, wow. So I call, so I call them the party church and man, I, I had a blast. I mean, I said, I wrote them the letter. I just read the letter the other day that I sent back on the thank you because I was writing another one for this trip. And I said, hey, thank you for being there. I remember going, going back. I had written my first chapter in a prophecy book there in New York. Because uh, my deadline was right when I was up there. And so I sat there in that house and I wrote that chapter. And then look at what's come from there. All the books that I've written from on prophecy from that. But boy, it's just fun. It's just fun. I have no idea why I'm on this point, but I'm moving on. Oh, I know. They went to their own company. Coming home. Listen, I enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. But boy, we're ready to get back. We're ready to get back. And then when I'm in the airport, I get a call and say, hey, can you get that article done on the Doolittle Raiders? I said, well, I don't have to do the 15th of next month. Oh, no, we need to do it for the Destined Life front page. 
And we got delayed twice in the airport. You know what I did before we got on that second plane? I had the whole thing done because I had done so much preliminary work. So listen, God works everything out. Point is, boy, it was great to get home. It is great to be here. It's great to be with you all. And listen, I, you know, we miss you. But it's good. It, it, it's refreshing to get out there. We don't take vacations of sorts. We go and we, you know, we, uh, I, I, I go, I, I'd, I'd rather be out preaching somewhere than sitting on a beach or playing shuffleboard. You know, I, I just, it's just who I am. Verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. They had given a praise report. You know how we do that. I got a praise report, preacher. Well, here it is. Verse 24, and when they had heard, when they'd heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. By the way, when you give a praise report about what something, something God's done in your life, everybody ought to be looking around going, wow, praise God for that. Glory, hallelujah. That's the way God works. Isn't it great to see God working in different people's lives? Man, it's a blessing to me. I hear the prayer requests and I hear the praise reports and I look at it and I go, you know what? That's what we need. We need people that are focused on how God is working in their lives. How's God working in your life? You ought to be able to pinpoint it. What's He doing? What direction are you going? Are you going in the right direction? If you're not going the right direction, turn around and get out of Egypt. That's the whole point of why we have preaching. The point of preaching is get on track, get going, and don't let the devil discourage you. Praise report? We ought to have it. We ought to have it. We need to just take out a day here in the next couple of weeks and just, you know, praise God for a day. We did that recently when I, I think the day I came back that night. I got up and, you know, you all, you all pent up to talk. And so we just had prayer requests, praise report. Listen, it, it, it encourages others to go like they said here. Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is. Verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? That's a quote from Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. The kings of the earth stood up. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. You see how the whole world was against Jesus. People are fickle. One day, boy, here's the Messiah. Here He is. Hosanna! And the next week they're saying, crucify Him, crucify Him. Here's the point. Don't worry about being accepted of people because they will reject you sooner or later. If you look for that acceptance and you thrive on that acceptance, you will lose that acceptance. It's okay to be accepted though. Just don't make it where that's your butter on your bread. Because if that's all you got and you lose it and you don't have Jesus, you got nothing. But here's the thing. What happens if you get praise of men sometimes and you're doing everything you can do to serve God? See, that, that's, like, that, that's like the icing on the cake. That's what we want. You don't have to be rejected and hated and scorned like a lot of churches. That Westboro church, you know what they like? They thrive on being on the news because of how much turmoil they can create. They're not even Baptists. Not even close to Baptist. 
Because when you look at, when you look at what the Bible says, they're anti-Bible, they're anti-Scripture, therefore they are not Baptists. Because to be Baptist, you've got to be scriptural. That, that's what, when you, when you study history, you see the Anabaptists, the Waldensians, the Paulicians, and you go all the way back to the first century. It wasn't the name Baptist. It was the creed and the doctrine and the Bible that determined who and what they were. So Westboro is not a Baptist church. You know what they are? A tool of Satan to put a black eye on a group that call themselves Baptists. Because the devil wants nothing more than to confuse the populace. He wants to confuse you and confuse everything that's good, and he does that by associating all of us with something like them. Let me give you one more verse. Verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. So we'll look at that, that, uh, that counsel and, and, and the predetermination and all of that um, in another service. Right now we're going to close. Lord, you thank you for many blessings. Guide, lead, and direct in the services this morning. You are such a gracious and merciful and wonderful God. We thank you for that. And we just want to hear from thee today. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You are.